Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Please enjoy this feature presentation of the Crooked River Radio Network. This program is rated for all audiences. Welcome aboard. We're headed for the world according to Elmer. With hosts Jerry Sorensen and Pat Morrow. Here come our hosts now. Good evening, Mr. Oh, good Jerry. Evening, everyone, and welcome to the world according to Elmer. Uh, Pat Morrow is our Elmer, and he's here. He is N8OQP, and I'm Jerry Sorensen. Uh, happy to be here. And I'm KG8RRY. Welcome to all of you. Uh, got a good show tonight. We're going to talk about uh, Pat's radio anniversary here in just a little bit. We're going to talk about contesting tonight. And we're going to talk about what it is to be a top band man. You've heard of the top band? Well, we're going to talk about the top band here in just a few minutes on The World According to Elmer. Hope everybody has had a good week. What about you, Pat? How are things going at uh, your hacienda? Not doing too bad. It's uh, been a good. it's been a long week so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a it's been a month this week, right? That's right. <laughs> That's how they've been going. Oh, it, it, was it was a month yesterday. It was a month yesterday. It was actually. And now what? Snow tonight? Yep. Yeah. That's what they're saying. That's Two to four. What they're saying. Well, we got a 50 to 60% chance overnight. Uh, that's going to that's gonna go ahead and set the antenna job that I've been working on back a couple of days, or at least a day, I think. Although, uh, fortunately, at this time of the year in Ohio, uh, any snow that we get doesn't stay on the ground very long. Yeah, it's supposed to be over by 9 o'clock in the morning anyway, from what they're saying. it's gonna. Yeah, we can put up with winter's last stand. How's that? Let's hope that's it. Hopefully that'll be the last of the snow. It usually ends around the end of about the middle or end of April. Although I've seen yeah, snow here, right. I've seen snow well, here as late as as May seventh. There was a lady on uh, a certain social networking site today. I don't want to give them a plug, <laughs> but anyway, she was asking whether or not she should cover her flowers up, and I said, you know, a greater question is whether or not you should have planted flowers this early. Yeah, that's true, too. You know, that's going to be quite a job. So she was going to get all of her bed sheets out that she has, and she was going to head out to the backyard <laughs> backyard to cover her flowers up. So I hope everything goes well in Cuyahoga Falls up there. If you plant before the, fir- before the 1st of May outside, you're really, you're, you're testing your luck. Well, you know who's pushing it? The, uh, the like the greatest... Uh, the greatest place on earth, the most fun place on earth, otherwise known as the Home Depot, and uh, their oh, companions have been putting flowers and plants and everything out already. So when you go to the greatest spot on earth, you have to walk right past all the flowers and, and all the plants, and so there you go. So some of them go in the trunk, and they head home with you. Yep. So that's where that's at. 
I do talk about your anniversary uh, here in a few minutes. Let me ask you, what was radio like in 1921? <laughs> 1921? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that going on. <laughs> You know, I got thinking well, about we'll that. We'll get to that in a few minutes. I do have one thing I need to tell you that, uh, folks, you're, you're going to hear this first here. I have a friend, believe it or not, I actually have one that uh, we were talking about him last week, I think. Um, his name's Anthony. He's KZT. He's a contester. And um, I know we're, we're covering contester or contests today. I think we need to make this a, a multi show. Uh, deal. What it is, I talked to him last Sunday, and jokingly I said, "You know, you ought to come on, come on, uh, uh, come on my podcast with us." And he says, "All you gotta do is invite me, set me up, at, set, give give me a time." So if you'd like him, he has got for his lifetime, he's got ninety four thousand five hundred and ten, uh, and get this. That'd be good enough if it was just playing QSOs. He's got 94,510 QRP QSOs under fire. You must be kidding. No, I wish I was. We're talking so, five, five watts or less, am I correct? Right. QRP contacts is all he does. Wow. 94,510s is what he said he had last week. Well, he and I are very different. Apparently, he does QRP contacts, and it seems like all of my contesting contacts are QRO contacts. And so, I have great respect for this guy. He does need to come onto the show. Okay, we can set him up. Uh, you, we'll, we'll talk about this off, off the air, but I figured I'd bring it up to you. I was pretty excited about it. Nothing else. He, he can he come on and forget contesting. Tell me how you get that many contacts doing QRP. This man has a wealth of information right up here in his noggin, and we need to explore that. Well, he said he, he's been doing it for like 40-some years. so it's, uh, That's fine. That's still a lot of contacts. That's, a lot. that's exactly a lot. I wonder, uh, if you were to think back or, or get all your logbooks out, I wonder you know, how many contacts an average ham has in his career, his ham career, so as to speak. And I know that that's going to vary by the number of years you've been around, but how many contacts do you think the average ham makes in a year? A year, probably, I'm thinking 2,500, depending on that. It depends on if you contest or not. You know, you can, if you can, like on field day, which is coming up uh, the end of June, if you were not working field day, you're going to get 150, 200 contacts easy. Yes. And if you play in some of the other contests, you're going to do the same thing, and it depends on it. There's a gambit of stuff that it depends on. It depends on if you're uh, what kind of a station you're running. It depends on if you're uh, sitting at the radio 24/7 or or if you're employed like I am. You know, that's, <laughs> that's that's where the big difference comes in at. If I was sitting here 24/7, I'd probably 2,500 contacts would be easy in a year's time or a year and a half. That's a lot of contacts. And, you know, uh, there was a guy on a, uh, last night was a contest. It's like every day here this month has been a contest. We have had the Georgia QSO party. We just recently, the last couple of days, we had the Michigan QSO 
yep. party. We've had yep. parks on the air. It has just been contest after contest, You've which is the reason we're talking this about this tonight. Because I found there's basically two types of hams, and there's nobody in the middle. They're the folks that love contests, like me. They're the folks that absolutely hate contests, which, you know, I, I don't know anybody that is a contest hater. But I have seen folks on social media say that they hate contests. So I know that that group exists. And so with all these contests going on, uh, yeah, it, it, it is amazing. But this guy was on last night, and I was only on for a couple of hours. And I was up to about 40 contacts. And this guy that I talked to out of Georgia had 960 contacts already. Oh, he was and probably doing a run. Oh, it was amazing listening to this guy work the crowd. Okay. I'm going to tell you a little secret to some of this. And I've, I know this from experience. When you got that many contacts in a small amount of time, you're doing what they call a run. You're actually, you're actually controlling, uh, if there is such a thing, you're actually controlling the frequency. And if you, there's two different types of, of contest searching. There's run and there's hunt and peck. The hunt and peck is somebody that turns a dial. Oh, okay, I hear this one. Let me see if I can get a hold of him. CQ, are you there? Hello, come in. And they, they make the contact that way. But if you sit on a frequency, CQ, CQDX, CQDX, this is N8OQP in, uh, in Ohio calling CQDX. Somebody comes back. They, or CQ contest, CQ contest, CQ uh, field day, what have you. That person comes back, somebody comes back to you, and then all of a sudden you start getting a pileup, a little bit of a pileup established there. In 15, 20 minutes time, you could have made 10 or 15 contacts, depending on what the, what the is going on with the, uh, the contest information you're supposed to give out. Most things have got, you give your, your location, the signal strength, and uh, um, any operators, that the, you know, any operational data you're supposed to give. Like uh, uh, like, like with field day, you're, the operators for that are, are uh, like, uh, if I was running from the house, I'm one alpha, which is one, one uh, powered, or one, one delta, I think, because I'm, I'm under commercial power. If I'm, uh, so the, the, the exchange would be, we are one Delta, Akron, Ohio. This is November 8, Ocean Queen Papa. Next contact. And good luck in a contest. Next contact. That's the way that works. In a short amount of time like that, you can probably make, in 10, 15 minutes time, you can hit probably 10, 15 people easily. And that's what this gentleman was doing. You just nailed it on the head. He was controlling the frequency, as you say. Basically, everyone was coming to him, and he was the guy standing at the fast food restaurant just taking orders. A lot that's of, all he was doing. A lot of times at field day, the reason you get yourself set up and in your shacks by 2 o'clock is so that you can find a quiet frequency and start commanding. Yeah. And a lot of you'll get that. A lot of field day stations do that. They'll sit there for two or three hours on the same frequency and just keep calling and calling and calling. And that way they can they can keep the frequency and everybody starts coming to them instead of them having to go hunt and peck and find that. 
I'm kind of and pity the pity the poor people that are in the pack, as you say, or the uh, pile up, as I say, <laughs> because it is a war sometimes to uh, to fight your way through that uh, that pile up and that pack because you might get. 40 or 50 people all trying to talk at once. And I never really understood that because from a, from my perspective and uh, you know, everybody has their own perspective. Opinions are like noses. Everybody has one, but, but uh, from my perspective, if everybody would take their turn, then they would all have a chance to, to get a contact. But it seems like everybody tries to jump in on top of each other. The reason some of the pileups happen is people, you're not going to hear uh, everybody else that's trying trying to get into this particular person. If you've got somebody on the eastern side of the United States and somebody on the west side hears them and uh, and hears you, or he just hears you and doesn't hear, you're you're going to get a pileup there. The thing with pile with pileups, and I've learned this myself, is that it's all in the timing. A lot of times, if you let the pileup happen and then throw your call sign before he's got a chance to key up and say, "So, okay, I hear so and so," you you need to be the last call that he hears, and you'll get recognized. Yeah, because you'll be the only call that he hears. Right. Everybody else has already said their call. It's usually either the first one or the last one, one of the two. That's great. And everything That's good in the advice. middle. Is a, hey, we got a video on this that a young man put together that I thought was pretty good. Let's go ahead and um, roll that video, and then we'll come back on the other side and talk a little bit more about contesting. All right. The question tonight, contest, do you love them? Do you hate them? It, it's different with every person. You're listening to Crooked River Radio and the world according to Elmer. Welcome back, everyone. This is KJ4YZI with Ham Radio Concepts, and I felt it was a good idea to follow up on the previous video for those who are new to the channel that may not know. So right now we have about 56,000 subscribers and since I've made a video about contesting, I've gained over 15,000 subscribers. So a lot of people are new to the hobby and they may not know what is he talking about? What is he doing on that previous video or several videos or ones that are coming up in the future? Well, this weekend is a VHF ARRL -R 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 -L contest and basically I've said this on the air on D-Star before and people have said well I'm not a contester that's fine you don't have to be I'm not a contester I can just make a pile up or work a pile up zone out and drill hundreds of contacts in a matter of hours which I've done before on six meters and field day and such you don't have to be a contester but what's happening here on this contest weekend I'll explain it right now so you understand. Okay, so when someone asks me what is a contest, my answer in a kind of sarcastic way is it's a reason to turn the radio on because there are people out there that use uh, contests to rack up points, you know? Basically what you're looking at is six meters, one of my favorite bands of all time. And over here on the 9700, I have two meters as well. Not so often do you hear of people doing contests on VHF and UHF and, you know, SHF. But anything above six meters is eligible for this contest this weekend. Now there are CW contests. There are uh, worldwide contests. Roger, Kilo, Juliet, Four, Yankee, Zulu, India, Five, Nine, Foxtrot, Lima. 
Good luck. There are phone contests, there are ready contests, and basically what it boils down to is trying to collect the most contacts and submit them for a notable reward that says you worked 4,000 contacts last month or whatever. So uh, usually it's on a weekend. And what you're looking at here, I'll just go through. If you want to follow or touch up on the video I just did, before this one, you can see some of the activity and what's happening. Kilo America 3 again. Kilo Alpha 3 Radio Pacific, is it? Radio Whiskey, Radio Pacific. KA3 RWP, got it. Uh, KJ4 YZI, Echo Lima 97, over. KJ4 YZI, Kilo 3 Zulu Oscar. Kilo 3 Zulu Oscar, uh, good morning, and uh, Echo Lima 97, over. Sierra. November 8, Golf Lima Sierra. Uh, good signal. Echo Lima 97. Over. Uh, I got it. Thanks. 7 3. Good luck. Okay, so nothing more than an informational exchange. You're confirming that you worked that station in his grid square, and he's confirming he worked you in your grid square. And in return, that turns into a contact. Um, the more contacts, the more you get in the contest as far as points. Now, you don't have to work a contest as a contester. You can simply just uh, call CQ contest and others that will hear you will find you and you'll exchange it and you'll just make contacts. You'll justify the reason you bought a 7300 or a 9700. That's plain and simple. There's a reason out there. Uh, some people are not into quick contacts. They want to rag chew, and I get that. That's totally fine. But if you call CQ contest, a lot more people that are contesting are going to respond to you. There are some people that don't contest, and they won't respond to that. So the moral of the story here in a quick video to sum this up, uh, a contest weekend makes everybody turn the radio on, the ARRL knows there's a contest, so they flip that switch that says, hey, turn the band on for the weekend and shut it off at, at you know, 29.59 or 23.59 Zulu time or whatever, and then it's over, and then you hear nobody. Uh, in a sarcastic yet upsetting way, I keep broadcasting this because some people say I've been, you know, accused of magic on six meters. They haven't heard six meters open in 15 years. I've heard people say they haven't heard a signal on HF in months. It, it varies in areas and antennas, but a contest will always bring people to the airwaves, and you don't have to contest to collect points. You don't have to do it. All you can do is just use your radio that you bought, make the contacts, write their call down, put it in your QRZ logbook, send them a card, whatever. And at the end of the day, you'll have more contacts than if you didn't get on during the contest. That's plain and simple. Uh, contests will happen from 160 meters to VHF all the way up to 10 gigahertz or wherever. They will happen uh, on certain bands like a 10 meter contest or a uh, you know uh, 160 meter contest or a WPX contest or a RIDI contest or a FT8 contest or a CW contest. I mean, there's everyone. And on, rest assured, you look on a RIDI or CW contest day, and you're going to see thousands of, of signals out there, thousands of them. 
There is a ready contest, and I want you to see what I see. Yeah, and the one thing that he said in that um, that video that is absolutely true is there is nothing that brings people to the bands the way that a contest does. That's exactly true. You know, you can turn the bands on at night, and you might hear a half a dozen people or a dozen people. You know, I like to uh, visit 80 every night. That's my favorite band. Um, and then, of course, I'll go down to 40 and spend some time at 40. And uh, not 20 at night, because 20 at night, for some reason, in Ohio, I, it closes down yeah, when the sun does. goes down. I, I'm not quite certain how that whole thing works, how the propagation works on 20. That's more. You can make some incredible contacts during the day, but at night it's kind of a dead band. But if you go on the air on a contest night, you will hear hundreds and hundreds of people. The uh, 20 meter band is more of a gray line band anyway. That's, it's affected. That's the most affected band, band by uh, uh, ionization and sun and all that. That's why it uh, dies off kind of at night. And that's also why the, uh, just the opposite of that is why 80 and that comes open at night. A lot of times 80 during the day is completely dead. That's just the way that works. And it's because of the ionization of the sun, the D-layer and all that. I was uh, surprised last night to hear some contesters on 15. Wow. That's something that I don't often hear. Yeah, they usually don't use the work band or the WARC bands like that. Not supposed to, are they? No, not. I don't think there's regulation against it. I just think it was. Uh, it's just something that nobody's ever done. Occasionally on 15 meters, but not never 17 or any of the other ones that I know of, anyway. No, this was 15 meters, and it took me by surprise. I was a little bit surprised to find the individual there. And uh, he had some takers. Now, you've heard it the same as I've heard it. People that say, I love the contest, and people that it's just like, oh, it's those contesters again. You can't find any place to talk. And the struggle is real because by my nature, I am the rag chewer. And rag chewing and contesting, those two don't really go together very well. So I have to change mindsets on contest day, and I have to put on my contester cap. That's right. So, I did want to make one you, comment how do, before. How do you, how do you, Pat, feel about contests? Is this something that is of interest to you? Do you participate? Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm really getting excited for field day this year, just because of the fact we're going to do it out in the park. Uh, <clears throat> I did want to make one comment about that video. <clears throat> did you hear the uh, EN ninety one call? Uh, and and something G, I think there was a G in the call during that during the video there towards the end. That's I didn't a, pay a lot, a lot of attention <clears throat> to detail. E N ninety one is the is the uh, grid square that we're in or I'm in. Yeah, G ninety one. That's correct. And uh, there was a G something. I think it was. I don't remember what the call was, but uh, when I heard it, I thought that guy, his voice actually even sounded familiar. He must have been in the Akron <laughs> area. Uh, he said he was. You probably talked to that person a hundred times, Pat. Yeah, ninety-one. Just where we're. And by the way, for those of you that love six meters, which uh, that 50, 50 uh, megahertz that he was on is six meters. I presume everybody knows that. Maybe some folks are watching us tonight or listening to us tonight that don't know that. But uh, six meters was open last night all the way 
to the Midwest. And uh, that was because of, how do you pronounce that? It, it's trop, tropa... Tropospiric ducting. Thank you. And uh, what is that? Tropospheric ducting is is actually working. The, the radio actually uh, is affected by uh, warm and cold fronts that are coming across the U.S. A lot of times if you take and uh, when you when you talk tropo as I, as they call it you're actually along the line of a uh, of a, a hotter or a warmer cold front and it that's how you're getting the signal out there there was probably a, a cold front that was going out that way or you know probably the one that is coming our way tonight probably and, yeah and that would have been working its way across America last night right but it what it does is it actually allows you to talk that way <clears throat> because the the signal is actually bouncing through the troposphere and it's letting it go that direction a lot a lot of that from here there's a lot of that that'll go south uh during certain times of the year <clears throat> and it's nothing really to talk on two meters into florida or six meters into florida i know uh, one year a couple of years back the band opened up for about seven hours on six and i hit uh i that this wasn't i don't think it was tropo but it opened up, and I talked to people from New England, clear into South Car North and South Carolina, and clear into uh, Iowa. And it was all uh, because the band opened up. That's all why they six meters. That's why they call it the magic band. One second it's there, the next minute it disappears. Better talk while the band is good, right? That's right. Well, it was kind of interesting, uh, and, and uh, last night there were people on the contest from all over. I talked with, um, let's see, who did I talk to? Oh, I talked with one gentleman. Um, this was a good contact, I thought. I don't know how far it is because I didn't look it up on the iPhone yet, but I talked to Joe, and uh, Joe is what he goes by. His name is actually Jose, but he lives in Salinas, Puerto Rico. And uh, he is W uh, Whiskey Papa Four Alpha Zulu Tango. So, for Joe, uh, enjoyed talking to you last night. Enjoyed uh, hearing you on the contest. And uh, any rough guesses on how far Puerto Rico is from Ohio? I'm thinking that's almost going to have to be first or second pound. So it's a couple thousand miles, I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, uh, had a nice visit with like him. Had a nice visit with a gentleman down in Georgia, W4KO, and uh, it goes on and on. Jupiter, Florida, talked to uh, Kilo 3 Quebec Hotel in Jupiter, Florida, uh, West Harrison, New York, which that's no big shakes. Uh, for some reason from Canton, Ohio here, I can talk to New York any time of the day or night. It's just like they're joined at the hip to Ohio. Yeah, I'm... Uh, Ram Ramsey, New Jersey. Now, New Jersey is another state where we can talk to seemingly at will. That's almost groundwork. Uh, New Hampshire. I don't know how far New Hampshire is. They were on last night. Texas. I talked to somebody in the panhandle of Texas on, and this this really amazed me. The call to Texas came in on 80 meters. That's a long ways for 80 meters. So these are all people that I would not have ever gotten to talk to had it not been for a contest. And I guess that's one of the things, Pat, that I really love about contesting. The contesting thing to me is, I get excited about like the, the field day thing. 
I did Winterfield Day this year. <clears throat> I think I had 70 contacts with that, 60 or 70. It uh, takes a lot to sit in a chair. But what this also does, there's a couple of things that, you know, you're saying, oh, you're talking all over the country and all over the world and whatever. But what that's actually telling me is how good the station's running. If I can make a bunch of cues, a bunch of cusos or contacts, what have you, and uh, I'm talking pretty much everywhere everybody else is, that's telling me my station's doing fairly well. If I'm not getting those particular places, if I'm getting, if it's taken 10 or 15 mi minutes to to make a call or whatever, uh, phone's ringing, so hang on just a second. She'll hang up on it. There, sorry about that. The wonders of live radio, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so we were at, if uh, if you're not being able to hear the people, other people are being able to hear. Then uh, what's, what's happening there is you may have a high SWR problem, or you might have something wrong with your station or coax or antenna or whatever. So you got to be, <clears throat> that's one of the things that contesting tells me. And, of course, you do go into it with high expectations, I'm going to be able to, oh, I should be able to get 5,000 contacts in, a, in, a, in an afternoon. Well, folks, I'm, going to, I'm here to tell you it don't work that way. Not you, quite that easy? If you don't do a run, you're lucky to get, I think that the most I've ever got is probably about 20 or 25 in an hour. And, you know, that's because you you got to figure what you're doing here is you're sitting there turning the dial and you're listening for a minute. And then you turn in the dial a little bit more, and then you're listening for a minute. And you hear somebody you want to call, and then you make the call, and you make the contact. And if you're that lucky to get him the first or second time, or the third time, or the fourth time. And all this is all this is taking up minutes. And what ends up happening is uh, you, you, it may take you four, five, six minutes to make a call. Six minutes times uh, what is uh, is 60 minutes or an hour. Ten, you're so there's your 10 contacts. That's you, all you're going to get. This you, you get 10 or 11 contacts. And that's about it. Yeah. And that's the reason. Well, you know, I, I think there's a lot of young people that enter the, uh, not young people, young, young in the hobby people. Let me say that. It doesn't matter your age. Age is immaterial in this, in this hobby. Uh, but people that are newer, I think they have a misconception that, just because I can hear somebody, that must mean they can hear me. And you know that's a that's a fallacy, and that's that's one that that I think everybody has this epiphany one day, and and they're hearing this person that they can hear very well on eighty meters or forty meters, and they're thinking that the other person can hear them just as well. But then you hear those other, really tiny voices in the background that sound like they're a long, long ways off. That may be what that guy you're hearing so well is hearing when he hears you. Exactly. <clears throat> and what is frustrating. <laughs> the other thing you got to consider frustrating. is it, there may be, especially on 80 and 40 meters, there may be people that are out there running 1500 watts or a thousand watts or five or six hundred watts, and where they're not going to get a, on eighty. On eighty, you just about have to run power, 
uh, some nights because the band is so noisy. And where they're, you know, you're getting above the noise by running that much power, you're not always going to be heard because that other person has probably got 15 other 1,500 watt stations that are trying to contact them at the same time. You know, it's, it's a crapshoot, and it, you know, a lot of times it'll work out in your favor, and sometimes it don't. Here's a question I've always wanted the answer to. Uh, we have a 1,500-watt maximum here in the United States of America for some operators. Um, you know, my station has 1,500 watts. I don't, I don't hardly ever use it. I, it's, it's never... It's never really been an issue for me because most of all my radios, first of all, are tube radios. I think everybody knows that that's seen the show or listened to the show. Um, and so they tend to put out two, 300 watts uh, as of just a base barefoot, uh, yeah. barefoot amount of power. So I don't generally have to run power. But, but uh, here's my question. The countries other than the United States, like our friends over in Europe, our friends in, uh, in, in uh, well, I talked to a guy one night in India, talked to a man in Australia one evening. Um, do they have that same limitation, or, or are there places in the world where they can run an unlimited amount of power? I don't think that there is anything unlimited. I think it is, it seems to, I'm not, I'd have to look this up to be sure, but I would imagine it's probably the same as the limitations we've got for most places. Um, I think I've heard of places that will allow you two, two kilowatts, and that's about it. But it's as far as anything in the United States or licensed by the FCC, it's 1,500 watts. Okay. So the guy over in England is probably not talking back to me with five kilowatts. Probably not. Okay. Maybe. Or, or well, he could be, but... Uh... <laughs> maybe a couple. Maybe. Well, there's a whole other program for that, too. You lose your license and go away. That's right. So let's move on. We've we've uh, we've talked contesting for a bit. You're right. We didn't even even scratch the surface of contesting. This will have to be a repeat, um, and because there's so much more to cover. But uh, in the interest of time, you celebrated an anniversary this week, and I think it's pretty notable. Did I read correctly that uh, this this week is your thirtieth year in ham radio? Actually, it's the twentieth. 28th of uh, May is when my license was issued. Uh, but within 90 days, you're allowed to re-up your license. And I'm on the, I'm going on the, the fourth one. I'm on, I've had three license, I've had two license renewals since I got in. So we're on license uh, year, decade number three already. The uh, 28th of May will start decade four. And uh, I'm telling you, it's been a, it's been a, an interesting ride. I have learned and got more educated than I ever thought I would about amateur radio. And you asked me, what's, you know, what I, what I've seen in the, my 30 years here. How have uh, things changed? Yeah, I, I'm interested to know your experiences when you began versus what you see today. When I came into the amateur radio club, or the amateur radio world, it was back in 1991. This was with um, com the computer age just starting. They were at 1,200 baud modems, which everybody that uh, 
is that amateur radio knows that uh, if there, there wouldn't be a modem without an amateur radio because we were the ones that actually started that with packet radio. Packet radio was pretty much, there was packet bulletin boards all over the place. I, I found out about that about the first year that I was in uh, doing anything in radio. The packet stuff has pretty much died. It's pretty much went by the wayside because it just wasn't fast enough. However, well, technology. Yeah, the, the the technology is really advanced. And however, instead of dying, it more evolved. It evolved more into FT8. It evolved more into your digital radio, your uh, um, DMR radios and stuff like that. When I first got into to the radio myself, there was no such thing as DMR. There was no, D-Star was just starting to scratch the surface. And those radios were seven and $800. And uh, there was no way anybody was going to be able to afford them. Finding a D-Star repeater was uh, like pulling hen's teeth. It, wasn't, it barely ever happened. Now, since the... Uh, Part of the the amateur radio um, monetary crash because of the cheap radios, the Bofangs and all that. The uh, companies that make these radios were forced to evolve if they wanted to stay in business. And you came from the you came with radios. Uh, your average HT would cost you two or three hundred bucks, and mobile would run you. For a, just a single band mobile, you're looking at you were looking at three hundred dollars back then. If you wow! Wanted, if you wanted a a dual band, you were looking five six hundred bucks easy. Nowadays, that's uh, you can pick up a decent dual band for about three hundred dollars. You can get an yes, HT. You can. you can get an HT for twenty nine bucks on on Amazon, and uh, you get what you pay for. If you want a decent HT Yesu or something like that, you're probably looking at 150, 200 dollars. 150 bucks, yeah. You can, as far as the uh, anything DMR related, you're probably looking at about 100, 100 and a quarter there for something decent. Those radio. Alinco, uh, Alinco puts out the DJ5, which I own, which is a DMR radio, and to show how accurate you are, it was 150 bucks. The uh, Radioddity is a little bit cheaper than that, and uh, the PNY or P, yeah, PNY is another. Those radios float right around a hundred dollars usually, but you know that's that's how things have advanced. The the part that I enjoy enjoy the most is still the the thing that intrigues me the most is probably the advancement of these SDR radios. SDR receive on a radio is so pristine and so good it's hard to believe it the audio quality is amazing isn't it it's exactly right and you can hear stuff that if you had a, a basic analog or or regular 20 or 25 year old radio you may not hear that or you may be you may be able not be able to get the clarity out of it as as you do an sdr by hitting a couple of buttons and uh, so I think that's the part that I've enjoyed the most out of all this. I've enjoyed the hobby as a whole. I've, I can't say enough about it. It's been a, 
a real trip trying to. I, when I got, I remember when I got into this. I was sick of the ra- sick of CB radio. <laughs> I had had twenty. Everybody, a lot of us came out of CB to ham radio. I had had twenty eight years of that mess, and I was ready to leave it. When I came over here, I got my license on June first, and at a ham fest in the middle of middle of July, I sold the last uh, um, the last CB radio I had. That was a mobile, and I never looked back. I have a couple of radios that I'll hear there, but if I'm, unless I'm traveling down to Florida or something, I don't bother with it because I I like to hear where the smoky reports are and all that stuff. But other than that, I got no use for that. <clears throat> but as far as being able to uh, hear it and uh, you know be, getting away from all the noise, when I got into it, I was. I was going to be happy with just being able to talk locally like everybody else could. And uh, I had talked clear down to um, Route 70, you know, by way of repeaters and stuff like that, going to Florida. So I knew the coverage area was was pretty decent. And I thought, well, I'll be happy with this. I don't need to get back in that mess of HF and all that. Well, we go about 10 or 15 years in the hobby. Actually, 2007, so it was, what, 20, about 20 years. In 2007, I decided, well, you know, I haven't, I'd kind of like to be able to talk a little bit of distance. And uh, I think I'll go after and get my general. So I got my general license after studying for about six weeks. And I put up a, a uh, 18-foot antenna up on top of the roof, which I should have never done. <laughs> that's beside the point so I get uh, I get the radio up there first place I hit is Nice Serbia three times on two different radios the junk radio I bought just to get on there and then I, I bought a uh, a decent uh, radio to be able to actually hear things I think that was a Kenwood and uh, I thought well this isn't bad and I actually got reinvolved and and reacquainted with some of the HF stuff and found that it really wasn't as noisy as that damn CB band was. And then I found that if you tune below the general class bands, there's a whole lot of space down there. And it's even more quiet. So we decided back in uh, 2013, I think it was, the heck, I might as well take and study for the extra. And about six or seven weeks went by, and I could, I was come up to about, I think it was December 3rd, and I thought, you know, well, I went, I'm getting close here. I might as well go see if I could take the test. It was right after Thanksgiving, and I heard that uh, PCARS was having a test, which I was the only one there <laughs> because, of, <laughs> because it was Thanksgiving weekend. And I, I walked in, and I the guy told me, he said, you're either going to be a 100% pass rate or you're going to be a 0% pass rate for us. And uh, I, I was 100%. I think I missed eight questions out of, the, out of the whole thing. But I passed. And I've learned more since then. The thing that, other thing that I can say about am, amateur radio my, as, as a personal experience is that it's taught me a hell of a lot. I would have never in a million years learned any 
learned as much of this stuff as I have because of amateur radio. I don't know that I'd be on this per, this particular radio if it wasn't for that. Because amateur radio got me into computers. I started out with a, uh, what they call a dumb terminal and a packet terminal. Because I wanted to see packet. And somebody got me turned on to that and then I bought a computer. And it, it evolved from there. The stuff is, you know, you're always learning. I can take in, in 10 minutes time now. I could stumble across something that I want to know about in, in, on amateur radio, and I'll get my phone out and look look up and see what it is, and then if it's feasible, I'll go try it. And if it's not, I've yet to really do any kind of any kind of 60 meter work. There's only five or six frequencies you're allowed to use up there, and it's all channelized. I've been up. I think I've actually been. I've transmitted up there once, and that was during an Aries test. Um, by the way, there is an Aries uh, contest coming up this weekend, I believe. That is, uh, it's called the Envis test, or the Envis uh, contest. And what it is, it's for people that have Envis antennas, which is a, uh, I can't think of the, the actual standard. It's for short, short range, localized HF antennas, which Envis, if you take an those antennas have oh, got to be... Oh, oh, oh. Uh, um, um, vertical incidence. You're, you're talking about the yeah, antennas. The... Like, like if you take a wire antenna and you put it about three feet above the ground and you stretch a thing out, your, your, prop, your, your uh, signal will go practically straight up. Right. It, it, it's for a regional area and, and that's it. But that's the uh, vertical incidence antennas the the uh, and i don't know what the n stands for but uh, it's vertical incidence and and it's it's that uh, it's that radio transmission that that occurs over just a very short area because of the way you have your antenna uh position i've been told that those that uh the optimum height for one of those antennas is about 18 feet up the ground that'll give you enough deflection in that where it'll talk halfway decent. I've hit as far as uh, with, I don't actually have one, but on field day a couple of times we've uh, played with those antennas. And I got as far south as Colorado, or as far west as Colorado. The east coast was easy to hit on it. Canada was pretty easy to hit. And Texas, but I don't, I barely made Florida. I think we got to Jacksonville one year on one. I you know, that particular square there is it was just because of the performance of the antenna. And that's that's the way that worked. That was on the the antenna we used was was made for forty and eighty and that's pretty much where I was the whole time. But uh, yeah, that's like I said, that's I've had my experiences in this stuff and I've I enjoy it. And if I didn't enjoy it I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be doing it. I wouldn't have well, if, if for account. no other, if for no other thing, one of the ways that ham radio influenced your greater life was the uh, introduction and the advancement that you made in using computers, which was a direct result of ham radio. Right. What are some of the other areas of non-ham radio life? Uh, what are some of those other areas maybe that have been impacted by ham radio as well? 
Well, can you think of any just off the top of your head? I would have never been a the, the president of a club. I was a I was an introvert. <laughs> an introvert. Yeah, when I was when I was young, I barely talked to anybody. But that's um, we can see how that brought me. And look out of at my you show. now. You're a broadcaster. You're the president of a of a radio club, which that's no small task. Uh, imagine what it's like uh, to own a preschool. Well, for those who are listening who don't know anything about ham radio, imagine what it's like to own your own preschool. Well, that's what it is to be a president of a ham radio club. You've got uh, you've got uh, forty or fifty or sixty or a hundred people of varying maturity that are all needy. <laughs> I'll describe it right. Yeah, I'm, I'm pleading the fifth there. <laughs> <laughs> It's an inmate. Life is interesting in most clubs. The uh, life is very interesting in most clubs. But, the but you know what? It's kind of funny because the the one thing that you do in radio that I don't know that you do in many other hobbies. I'm sure you do in some, but but not every hobby. And that is, you make lifelong friends. Radio friends, precisely. I've learned, are good friends, and I've learned that they're lifelong friends. Many of them, and there are people that I would not know had it not been for this hobby, that I consider today to be very, very good friends. There are people like yourself that, that uh, how would we have ever met had it not been for ham radio? True, very true. The other thing, too, is most of these groups, I when you're coming up into a club like ours, you're going to get an impression that it's clicky. It's not. What... It's just the fact that you've got a bunch of people that have probably been friends for 10 or 15 years that are there. And they associate with everybody else. You get club meetings that can get pretty active as far as opinions flaring and stuff like that. But that's normal with anything. But you've got a close-knit group, net, you know, close-knit group, group of people that will do anything physically possible for the other ones. Yeah, you know, there ain't nothing I wouldn't do for my club. There ain't if it defeated fifteen, twenty bucks for something here, I'd get my wallet out. You know, I saw something uh two weeks ago on a Saturday. I was uh at a, a I was at a place in Massillon here where I live, uh where we were giving uh we were giving ham radio tests. And this is something that's been kind of hard to come by since the virus. But uh here we were, we had about uh I don't know. We had five or six people, and they were mostly taking the technician's test. But there was one taking the general, and there was one taking the extra. So we had a, a good bunch. And there was one gentleman that showed up, and, uh, you know, as he was filling his paperwork out, the uh, volunteer examiner said, you know, there's a $15 fee. That This, is, this pays for the uh, – because there's really no fee yet to sit for the test. And so this is money that basically reimburses the club for buying materials, photocopying, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's a very small fee, and it's just designed to offset costs. But uh, he said, you know, there's this fee, and, uh, you know, I'd like to collect it now. And this gentleman said, you know what? He said, I had that money sitting out this morning, and I left it on the entertainment center. I forgot it. And I saw a volunteer examiner, one of my fellow VEs, reach into his own pocket, pull out $15, 
hand it to the other gentleman that was sitting there and say, it's taken care of. And the guy goes, well, I'll have my wife drive up and reimburse you. And he goes, no, no. He said, uh, he said, the matter is taken care of. It, that's it. So he paid for this man to sit and take his extra exam because he was excited for him and he wanted to see him pass. And this is the type of thing, as you say, that we do for each other in this hobby. Well, you are, I'm not sure your description of what that $15 is for is, is exactly correct. The club really isn't supposed to benefit from any of that. What the what that is, that's benefit, or that's the money is actually collected in order to take care of the fees uh, and uh, the the actual uh, processing of the amateur radio license and for any the club the club. And that's what I meant. To, that's what I meant to say. If if saying the club made it sound like something different, then your club uh, thank gets you for kick, correcting that. Your, your cl- club gets a kickback for any supplies that they have to. They don't, I wouldn't wouldn't call it a kickback either. That was a bad joke. <laughs> your your club gets reimbursed. Reimbursed for any any uh, reimbursement. Any, there you any go. Type kickback of, does uh, sound bad, doesn't it? Yeah, it does kind of. But <laughs> your club will actually get a reimbursed for anything that it has to put out in order to process the licensing and all that. But, uh, so, well, you know, it costs money to print materials. It costs money to as amateur to, radio uh, operators. Even so a, that's what I meant. Even in a club, but, uh, am, as amateur radio operators, you're not allowed to make a profit. You're not. No, that's true. You know, even when we do a community service, that community service does not come associated with a fee. That is done out of the goodness of the amateur radio operators' hearts. Precisely, and also, uh, if you're going in expecting a t-shirt or something like that that's i never take the t-shirts if i unless you know they they pretty much demand i take one here you you did all this work come on take the damn t-shirt all right whatever <laughs> we'll do it i don't care twist my arm twist my I can, arm i can afford my own t-shirts i'm good so you one thing i want you to come back to though uh, and I know that we've gone way over on time, although this has been a very important segment and one that I have appreciated. We're not going to get to the uh, to the top band thing tonight. We'll have to we'll have to table that for next week. But uh, one of the things that you did mention is this uh, this upcoming weekend. Speaking of contests, there is a contest, and this contest uh, is a very special contest. So please go ahead and and let's get back to that. Uh, as far as this is uh, this is Aries related, is that what you I said? I believe it was Aries related. I I heard something about this. Let me uh, give me a minute and let let me. Well, when in doubt, all we have to do, <laughs> all we have to do is Google it. And uh, and by the way, there are a number of sites besides just the uh, you know we have we have the National Association. Um, uh, the Radio Relay uh, League, the ARRL, and they have a contesting page where they list all the contests that are going to take place. When you get your magazine every month, it has a listing of all the contests by day uh, during that month. And there are several other sites, um, which is what I was going to say, that also specialize in putting those contests out there and keeping you informed. There's some of those sites that if you give them your email address, 
they will go ahead and send you an email every week and they'll let you know what's coming up as far as contests are concerned. So there, there are a lot of different resources that are available uh, regarding contests and uh, you can kind of pick and choose your poison, so as to speak, uh, as far as which contests that you, uh, you know, you might be uh, interested in. Okay, what I'm finding here, there's different groups are actually having different days, but there's one coming up May 25th. Uh, Envis Day is coming. Is your station ready? Blah, 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 blah. Date is Saturday, April 25th, starting at 10 to 4. Uh, no more than 100 watts. Exchange is a di six-digit grid. And, uh, yeah, the power and true, true measured single, true measured signal report. So it's your exchange would probably be something to the effect of uh, uh, EN91. GB, 100 watts, and uh, you're giving your your five nine in in Akron, Ohio. Yeah, and that's another thing. Uh, as far as contests are concerned, uh, we didn't have a chance to talk about. Like I say, there's so much we can talk about on contesting that we just don't have time to do today. But there is a protocol as far as contesting is concerned. And, you know, when we have contacts with other uh, radio operators, very often the entire subject of that conversation is what type of a radio is that person running? What type of antenna are they running? How much power are they using? Because we're interested to know what does that gentleman or that lady have that is producing the signal that I am hearing here? So there's a lot of radio information that is exchanged during normal contacts as well as con uh, contest contacts. But uh, it seems like the overall protocol uh, in contesting is everybody gets a 5-9. Everybody is 5-9. They, they can be barely heard above the noise. And, and on contest day, just out, of, uh, just out of mutual respect, I guess, or because of protocol, they're a 5-9. And you're saying on this particular contest, on the NVIS contest, you actually have to give a real signal report that time. That's right. And that, to me, is a lot better than... I'd rather, if, if somebody's only hearing me at about 5, 7, 5, 8, not, that's not a problem. You know, if, you, if you're giving me a 4, I'd rather know that than, uh, than having you tell me, oh, you're 5, 9, I hear you great. And then I say something to the effect of, what? <laughs> or the guy that hits your station, and he's 40 over 5'9", which means he's pretty much at the top of what the, uh, what the radio will read. And uh, you ask him where, where he's at, and, and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's in Alaska. And you're, you're going, whoa! And then that's, of course, how you know that that gentleman is not reaching you with 100 watts. That's right. <laughs> there are always ways to tell. <laughs> it can be propagation, but uh, the, you can't explain that with propagation. You've got to find another, uh, another reason why somebody would be that strong from that far away. 
Yep. And that's an exaggeration, of course, because uh, I have never talked to anybody from Alaska that was 40 over. But there are people uh, in Florida that have been 40 over here. So it does happen. And uh, you know that they're running a tremendous amount of power. And they probably have great antennas and they have a great station. There's a station over in Pennsylvania. And uh, I forget the gentleman's call. I've got it written down. I've talked to him a couple times. Everybody, I think, in America has talked to this guy a couple times. A3LR. And he comes in, he comes in, he pegs your meter all the way to the top, but he has an antenna system that is incredible. And he's in Pennsylvania on top of what they call Magic Mountain. Now, I don't know what the real name for Magic Mountain is, but I'll tell you, when it comes to his ability to communicate with people around the world, that is a Magic Mountain. Hermitage, Pennsylvania is where he's at. Is that right? Yep. He's a... He's got a, he has a tremendous signal. That's uh, K3LR. Um, he actually works for DX Engineering. Uh, Tim, Tim Duffy. That makes sense. Tim Duffy's his name. And uh, and he probably gets his antennas at employee discount then. We've actually talked about him before here, I think, uh, a couple of shows back. He's at contesting station that's right over, as you're going out 80 towards uh, New York. And right as you cross the Ohio border, there's a... Oh, that's him. That's ten. There's ten or eleven towers there, and he's got one a heck of a station. A station there. I think there's eleven acres and eleven or eleven acres and thirteen towers or something like that. That's incredible. And uh, well, I, I got to tell you, the station here at the hacienda is not quite equipped that way, but I just do the best I can, and <laughs> yeah, don't I don't all. think there's many of us that have that kind of a station. Nor do I want anything that big. It's too much to take care of. A lot of maintenance. Yeah, I was I was surprised at the amount of uh, just having weathered the winter. I was surprised at how much attention my verticals needed uh, here in the spring. Uh, it's incredible what happens to equipment that is left out uh, during the course of an entire winter. It, it needed a lot of work and a lot of attention. I've got quite a bit to do up on my roof and everything here, too. I've... Um, I've got to check the, uh, vertical I've got in the back and I want to also do some work on the, I've got a, a, uh, off center fed dipole up at, uh, an alpha delta. I got to do, I got to check coax and everything on it. It doesn't seem like it's performing like it ought to, but that's for the summer. We'll get there. And you know what? Tomorrow, uh, I'm giving you permission to take a snow day, Pat. Oh, I wish. I'll be out there plugging away just like I do every other day. Of course. We gotta, that's what it is. Well, listen, it's been a great show, and I've enjoyed it. It's nice to hear about uh, your experiences in ham radio and what ham radio has meant to you. I hope to be able to, uh, of course, I started way later than you did, so I won't get that number of years in, I doubt. But uh, I hope to have some of those great experiences myself. And I know that anybody younger that is listening to the show tonight is interested and excited to see what happens in the next 30 years in ham radio. And, uh, you know, and because I, we probably can't even envision what radio is going to be like well, in 30 more years. I believe that, too. It's made so. such, such jumps since I got into it. It's hard to tell what's going to happen in the next 30. Anyway, want to wrap it up here? 
Let's wrap it up. You've been listening to The World According to Elmer on Crooked River Radio. It is so good to have you. We'll be back next Tuesday, 7 o'clock p.m., and uh, we'll, we'll be excited to see you. Bring a friend along next week. Pat Morrow is our Elmer, and I am Jerry Sorensen. It's been good to be with you. Everyone have a good night, 73, and God bless. 73, all. This has been a Crooked River Media production. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.